Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. It's a busy time on Capitol Hill as Congress pushes through their final five work weeks before the August recess. Fiscal 2020 spending bills, a supplemental funding package for the southwest border, and the annual defense policy bill are all front of mind this week. Welcome to Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor. And I'm Danielle Parnas. This episode will focus on that defense bill, the National Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell teed up the bill for a vote this week, and the House moved its own version through committee last week. Roxana Tyrone and Travis Tritton covered defense policy and the Pentagon for BGov, and they join us now. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us. Let's start with the Senate bill. There's a $750 billion top line, including OCO war funds that are exempt from the caps. What are the big stories in this bill? So the big story, obviously, is the top line. Um, The overall funding is $750 billion. It it sort of hews to the president's request. And um, obviously, whenever the bill comes to the Senate floor, the big story is the the amendments that pile on that may or may never, you know, be considered. Um, The Senate moves very slowly, uh, usually, but Chairman um, of the Armed Services Committee, Jim Inhofe, said that he was expecting this bill to move fast this time, about a week or so of consideration. There's always hang-ups, though, with this bill. There's always somebody who wants their amendment considered. And so um, I would expect it to uh, go a little bit slower. But the highlights uh, in particular uh, would be um, Space Force, and that's where, uh, you know, Travis can give us some more details. Sure, yeah. Space Force is the issue. I think a lot of people were waiting to see how this would break because we did see a real division between the House and the Senate. Um, What we see in in, in both bills, in the Senate bill and in the House bill, is an authorization for, for a Space Force. Both chambers now agree on kind of this broad outline of what this new service is going to look like. So at this point, it looks like a real strong possibility that it is going to be authorized, that we are going to get this uh, new service, obviously something that uh, President Trump has been touting um, at his rallies and something that the administration uh, really wants to um, uh, to tack up as a, as a win. And, and it'll be within the Air Force, at least budgetarily, right? That's correct. Yeah, both uh, plans would put this new uh, service inside the Department uh, of the Air Force. And also you will see in both the Senate and the House bills a sort of a a huge green light for for some of the higher profile weapon systems. We're talking about way more um, Lockheed Martin F-35 storage strike fighter. The House bill um, approved 90 and the Senate is about to, you know, back about about 92. Um, They they both sort of uh, green lighted the Pentagon's desire to start buying the the Boeing F-15X fighter uh, aircraft. It's a fourth generation aircraft that uh, would, you know, that is upgraded, but it's still not, uh, it doesn't have the same stealth or any stealth as the F-35. And they, they both, both chambers basically told the Trump administration that they would have to refuel the aircraft carriers. They would have to keep 11 aircraft carriers afloat, basically. So the USS Truman would have to be refueled. So both chambers basically said, you have to go ahead uh, with that. 
And there's um, also the provisions that we've seen um, before and in, in the appropriations bills, too, about um, prohibiting F-35s uh, for Turkey because of the Russian missile defense system. Correct, yes. And, and the language is, is fairly strong. It's dependent on basically Turkey not uh, buying that system, uh, on promising not to ever buy that system in, in the future, or any kind of you know parts for that. And you're seeing a movement both in Congress and at the Pentagon to try and, and choke off uh, Turkey's participation in this program because of, uh, because of their um, sort of stated desire to still buy the S-400. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out as well. Uh, don't you think, Roxana? Uh, because next month, I think the Pentagon has set its own kind of deadline for Turkey to make a decision on whether it's going to acquire this S-400 system. And Turkey says that it's going to start accepting some deliveries next month. So um, obviously yeah. what we see in the bill is uh, warnings from Congress that it should not go ahead with, with this plan. But all of this is going to shake out this summer. And uh, who knows what we might see in the conference report for, for the NDAA. Correct. And the Pentagon is already cutting off training for the pilots uh, who, who train in Arizona, the Turkish pilots. And I think we're looking at also, uh, they're looking at sort of backups for parts for the F-35 because Turkey actually um, has a, a significant participation in, in building the aircraft and in providing parts. So, so everybody's sort of looking at um, alternatives for now. So this is a big one to watch and it has been a big one to watch for, for more than a year now. Another place where we, we see... Uh At least at this point in history, it seems like we can't get a budget or spending-related bill without something about the southwest border coming up. And uh, the president transferred some military construction funds to build border barriers. And this bill would would almost bless that by by replenishing the funds from which he, he drew those. Travis, can you talk about that at all? Sure. You know, this is one of the most uh, divisive issues um, of of this NDAA um, process. What the Senate did is, um, you know, uh, Republican majority on the Senate Armed Services Committee, their bill would replenish uh, funds that the president could use for for the southern border, uh, $3.6 billion. So basically what they're doing is fully backing um, the president's move to tap the military um, to fund these these border barriers and to shore up security uh, on the border. The president hasn't spent all that money yet, um, but he's looking at doing that. Uh, Part of that would be military construction funds that are extremely controversial. And if he does tap those, this Senate bill would fully reimburse all of that money. Of course, then you have the House bill that basically blocks all this kind of funding and it blocks any future reprogramming from, uh, you know, into the counter-drug account that uh, the president is using. Um, It's sort of trying to limit the Pentagon's ability to spend any kind of uh, military money on on the border. So that's going to be a big issue between the two chambers once these bills uh, make it off the floor. Absolutely. That's going to be one of the uh, most difficult issues. I think that's where one of the biggest splits between the two chambers exists. Before we turn a little bit more to the House bill, can you talk again about the top line number and specifically what was going on with the OCO funds that seem to differ a little bit from what the administration requested? Yeah, sure. So so the Senate, the Senate basically uh, backed $750 billion uh, in national security spending for fiscal uh, 2020. And that covers, that covers the Pentagon, but it also covers uh, national security programs at the Department of Energy and a couple other uh, agencies' uh, work. However, uh, Senator Inhofe and Senator Reid, the ranking member, did not agree with the administration using, you know, $100 billion, basically, in war funds that are not subject to uh, budget caps 
to pay for basically regular activities in the defense budget. So they moved all that money into the regular budget, which means that once appropriated, it would be it would be subject to caps. Uh, the House also didn't agree with using war funds as a basically as a slush fund to pay for uh, you know regular uh, defense department expenses like paying for weapons programs and operations and maintenance. Um, and so, but but their their top line is uh, seven hundred. $30 billion for national security activities. So you do have uh, a delta there, but both chambers agree that they shouldn't be a blessing, you know, this, this kind of, you know, accounting gimmick uh, to uh, to try and circumvent uh, budget caps in, in law. But they're also complicating issues in, in a way because now Congress has to come up with, has to start negotiating a budget deal to lift, to lift the caps that will still be in place in, in 2020 and 2021. So there's a lot more work to be done. However, the defense authorization bill obviously doesn't count against the caps, but, it, but the spending bills do. So I think the, it's just the beginning and it's just sort of the uh, initial, um, initial shot to try and uh, increase uh, defense funding uh, for 2020. Yeah, I think a couple things are worth repeating there that you said. One is that this is not an appropriations bill. This is the authorization. So this is policy and and the numbers that Congress is going to allow to be appropriated later. The other was on the budget caps where the we, we talked about it with Jack Fitzpatrick on a previous episode where the administration's request was kind of about not raising the budget caps and instead just using OCO to get the defense budget that, that the president wanted and, and keeping the domestic side, the non-defense budget, low. Whereas the House and especially, but but also the Senate want to raise those numbers and use less OCO money so they can kind of keep things on the budget. Uh, let, let's transfer our attention now to to the House bill. Uh, are there any other big differences? We mentioned the, the top line number and the border barriers. Uh, are there any other big differences we're seeing? Well, I think one of the uh, another big issue will be uh, Guantanamo Bay and the future of the uh, Navy prison there. The House is basically um, set in motion legislation in its bill that would eventually lead to the shutdown of the prison. Um, they wouldn't allow any new prisoners to move there. They would allow for uh, transfers uh, to the United States. Republicans on the House committee did everything they could to try to block these provisions, but they weren't successful at all. Um, it made it through, um, you know, and we don't see anything like that in the, the, the Senate bill. So I think that there's going to be a big fight over that. Obviously, Republicans for years have resisted any efforts to reduce the prison population or to transfer any of those detainees to the United States. So I think that there's going to be a big fight over that. And also, I think um, that also um, is is a is sort of a harbinger for the kind of fight that will be on the House floor uh, when when they bring uh, the defense authorization bill. I think after they said after the July Fourth recess, uh, you saw it in committee. Actually, um, something really rare happened. Actually, in in the in the in the sort of 15 years that I've covered this, I, I have not actually seen this happen. But the Republicans, most of the Republicans, uh, minus two, I guess, voted against. The adoption of the defense authorization bill in committee, which is very, very rare. And it, it seems that the Republicans are, are sort of very focused on making a few things sort of um, the breaking points for them. One is the top line. They want $750 billion. Uh, another one is uh, sort of the nuclear weapons policy, allowing uh, low-yield nuclear weapons to be um, carried by submarines, which the Democrats are trying to uh, stop. And obviously Guantanamo Bay. Those are like those are the areas where you saw Republican amendments come up and being shot down. And those were the areas ultimately that led the 
the Republicans uh, to vote uh, against the adoption of the bill. Um, uh, I might actually, so, I might, I might actually even add the border uh, provisions to correct. That, that yes, as well. Correct. Yes, that mm. too. That too. But but the Republicans are a little bit in a in a, in a sort of more delicate position with with the border money and using Pentagon funds because they have criticized that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I think you're going to see a lot of Republicans trying to, you know, probably voting against the defense authorization bill on the floor. So it's going to be a, a little bit more of an interesting year. I think they're hoping uh, for conference uh, negotiations with the Senate, and they're hoping for $750 billion. And And Max Thornberry, the ranking member of the House Armed Services Committee, basically made the point that he's he's pushing for $750 billion as a way uh, as a way to basically mark mark uh you know his position in the sand for future budget negotiations yeah. so he wants to make clear that 750 billion is what should be going towards defense right and this so is, that's how they stand and this is a bill that we hear every year about how bipartisan it is every single year and so it is kind of extraordinary what we're seeing here the break between democrats and republicans over the bill this year so it will yeah it'll be fascinating to see how that that plays out Yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, the NDAA has been enacted every year for decades. So do you see these issues being big enough to perhaps break that streak? Or is it maybe just something that'll slow down negotiations, but they'll eventually all come together to to pass the bill? I think it's too early to to sort of uh, say anything with with confidence. But one thing that I think both Travis and I can say with confidence is that Adam Smith, the new chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, said he does want to see a defense authorization bill uh, signed into law. He thinks it's it carries very important policy. He doesn't want to be the one, you know, presiding over a bill that would fail. However, I think it'll take a while this year, just because you have uh, all the side negotiations for the budget deal, for appropriations, and because you have these incendiary uh, topics that will will definitely come up in, in negotiations with the Senate. And you have the Senate obviously being Republican and uh, a Republican administration, so I feel that the Republicans in the House Armed Services Committee feel that they have sort of the upper hand in a way in, in negotiations with the Senate. Yeah, I think I think uh, we will get to a bill, uh, but as Roxana said, it's going to take some time. There are going to be some of these issues that are just going to uh, cut really hard, and th- there are going to be some uh, tough fights and some h- fights on the floor when when this bill comes to the House floor. Um, I think eventually they'll get by them, and uh, they'll get through conference, and w- we'll get a bill. It just uh, might be uh, we might still get a bill by s- December. I think so. Which is not that uncommon, actually, because I remember many uh, you know, sort of pre-Christmases covering the uh, defense authorization bill. So uh, it's usually what happens. All right. Roxana Tyrone and Travis Tritton are reporters covering the Defense Department for Bloomberg Government. Find all their coverage and the legislative analyst team's analysis of the NDAA at bgov.com. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.begov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Anzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. Hey, I'm Adam Allington. I'm the host of a new show from Bloomberg Environment called The Business of Bees. 
Here's what you need to know about it. We travel around the country talking to people at every corner of the honeybee ecosystem. This is the largest managed pollination event on Earth. In fact, commercial beekeeping is more important to farming than ever before. But bees are also under threat from pesticides and invasive pests and mysterious diseases. It's sort of like Christmas when you go to the hive in December and you open the lid. You just hope somebody's home. If you're interested in bees too, I think you might like the show. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts.